This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and co-owner of the Peninsula Pulse, and I am joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, our editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. Deb, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for asking me on, Miles. And more importantly, thanks for all your work on the topic we're going to be discussing today, our sustainability issue. And honestly, I can't even remember which number it is. I think it might be like number... 17 or something like that that we've done on the sustainability of the county and we've got a great issue that is hitting newsstands today it's friday as we're recording this and i'm just really proud of all the work that you and andrew and sam and the team did to put this thing together it it looks great and it tells a really important story for door county so kind of explain what your approach with this year's issue was and what people can find. Right. So first thing I think that people will notice is how beautiful it looks. I mean, (laughs) Andrew really did a stunning job. You know, when we're trying to come up with any content, which we do on Thursdays during editorial meetings about the things that are going to be in next week's paper, when we talk about the sustainability issue, that conversation started months ago and Mm -hmm. we were really talking about Ridge and Swale the project that Peninsula Filmworks is going Mm -hmm. to be debuting this weekend on Saturday. Saturday night, 7 p.m. at Door Community Auditorium and Sunday at 3.30 at Crossroads at Big Creek. And it's free, so come out, check it out. Right, isn't that crazy? It's free. (laughs) So we were talking about how, you know, the hours of footage, the hours of interviews, the number of people that they talked to for this film that didn't even make it into the film. And so Mm -hmm. then we started talking about all of the people who do conservation work up here but don't do it for a career or for a living. It's not their job. And yet every single organization that exists up here and does conservation work needs these volunteers in order to be able to fulfill their missions. So from there, we just started running with it. So, you know, we reached out to all of the conservation organizations to find out who their top people were. We brainstormed how to bring this all together graphically and came up with a puzzle piece. You know, we're brainstorming ideas and Sam, our newest reporter said, how about puzzle pieces? And we were just like, you know, running off with that (laughs) because it is, you know, the conservation puzzle, like putting everything together. We need these volunteers in order to make things happen. So there are some 26 people in this issue that you will be introduced to that do various work. They're not all full bore features, but we came up with good little snapshots that give you some idea of what these people do. And frankly, it's astonishing. Yeah, I mean, it is. If you go to a lot of these organizations, where do you go to the ridges or the clearing or the state park? And if you actually talk to somebody, you, you kind of take it for granted, but then you talk to somebody who is involved in maintaining these places for us. And you find out like there's somebody who shows up and does this cleaning or does tree trimming or does trail grooming or picks up trash. And that is why we have that resource. And, you know, it's one thing to buy land and and to, to preserve these places, but it's another thing to maintain them year after year after year. Exactly. And also to do the kinds of research that people are interested 
like different professionals in their fields are working on. Like, you know, there are projects that we've never even heard of. Like I had no idea that there are people up here who actually listen to frogs once a year. (laughs) (laughs) Not Dave with his peepers, just actual people like. They actually drive around to 10 specific locations and have been doing this. It is apparently the longest frog and toad study in the United States. What exactly are they studying? So what they're, what they're listening for is density and type. Okay. So they are able to, you know, discern from, I guess, one frog to the other <laughs> or one toad to one frog. I don't really know. I mean, but the stream monitoring and the sucker research, all of these other things provide professionals who are doing research and work on these things with the data that they need and that they don't have the money and time to be able to collect mm. themselves. Yeah. So it's beyond the conservation of actual land. You know, it is also getting people inspired and interested in the different types of nature that we have up here, whether it's birds or frogs or orchids or just wide open spaces. So anybody who goes, for instance, on a tour with one of these people, because some of the volunteers are tour guides at various organizations, anybody who goes on one of those tours is also somewhat of a volunteer. But I mean, they're learning about what is happening up here. Maybe that's their first inspiration, you know, for nature. So the work that these people do, you know, conservation is one thing, but in order to achieve the objectives that we want to achieve, we need people. And the people are the resource, the most important resource for doing this work. Yeah, I think any nonprofit leader would tell you, like, their volunteers like keep things floating while they're dealing with, you know, there's so many grant writing. There's these, these organizations have become so much more complex and the demands on them have become so much heavier. What kind of stood out or was there any, any theme to one of the things you would ask a lot of these volunteers, what do you get out of it? Why do you do it? And what kind of answers did you get for that? It was a lot of being able to, you know, help and feeling like they're making an impact. There were also personal goals, like the way that they learn about things that they never knew before. Mm. So one of the volunteers, Jane Whitney, who is actually the state's number one master naturalist. Mm. She has logged more hours than any naturalist in the state. So she says that, and, and she was an academic librarian before she retired. And her and her husband retired up here, and he was an art professor. But she turned into, you know, really a self-taught botanist and naturalist. And she said that it is the learning, you know, it is the knowledge that she's gained with what essentially is a second career, even though it's a volunteer thing. Mm. But also I heard a lot of, you know, when light bulbs go off, when people are finally understanding and getting the connections. Because I think one of the themes that ran through all of this is that, you know, conservation is a web, like everything needs to be working together. So some people 
will say, you know, why do we need to save bugs? You know, why do we need to save the Heinz Emerald Dragonfly? And so obviously those are not insect people. But if you <laughs> tell them that birds eat insects and they're bird people, they're like, oh, okay, so it's bird food, basically. <laughs> so it's finding those things that enable people to make connections. And then there are people who worked, you know, heavily into invasive species. And so there it is, you know, knowing that we can't conquer invasive species, yeah. but we can manage them. And so them doing their part of managing, you know, their corner or their, you know, one person did the entire beach of Jacksonport. I mean, rallying neighbors to do it of Phragmites. I mean, so they are definitely making impacts that, that they can see, you know? So I think it was like universal that they really feel like they are doing something as opposed to just lamenting the fact that things are falling to crap. Yeah, <laughs> you can sit on the sidelines and, and say, wow, that, that stinks. We're losing that open space or there's another development. There's, but there's obviously all these organizations. Like if you want to do something about it, there are plenty of opportunities to do it, big and small, whether it's an hour a week helping greet people that frees up some staff time to do something heavier or whatever it might be. There's all kinds of opportunities trail work on so many of these properties that need to be done to keep people experiencing nature. Just talking to to Andy Gill and Katie Krause from the, the Ridges, and one of the things they love is just introducing people to it. And that's one of the things that yeah, I think it's Bill Wolf over at the Ridges. You know, he gets to go out there and introduce people to this beautiful property every day he gives one of those tours as a volunteer trail guide. Mm -hmm. And by being a volunteer tour guide, you think of like, you might be having a generational impact. You know, somebody might fall in love with that place now in one of those tours and be involved with the ridges for the next 30, 40, 50 years, one day be doing Bill's job giving tours. You know? Right. So even if it's not a paid position, you can have this big impact. Right. That has a long tail. And they're not paid. I mean, and that's the astonishing thing is like how much work they actually do. How much people do. give. Right. Like Bill <laughs> Wolf is one who, you know, we have profiled in the sustainability issue. Right. So he's one and he basically does it full time. Jane Whitney, as I already mentioned, she's another who basically does it, you know, full time. But that was another takeaway from me is that people often feel if they can't throw all of themselves into it, you know, then they really don't want to get involved with it. But it really does, like if you can do something once a year, then mm -hmm. that is what you can contribute. And that's meaningful. Right. You know, you don't have to take on, you know, a, an extra responsibility if you're working and raising children. And, you know, as we know, people in those positions just, you know, don't have the same amount of time available. But it doesn't need to be an ongoing commitment. It can be like, you know, I'm going to do this once a year. I'm going to I'm going to help plant trees for the big plant or, you know, I'm going to attend something like that's a real participation is a really yeah, that's a big part too. Just yes. filling the room and, and learning right. is actually a big thing. And, and that's something that I think we take for granted. Like I've written about this in the past too. Like you look through our events calendar and there's sometimes you just gloss over things and you're just looking for the live music. You're looking for something to do with your kids. And I would encourage people to just stop and, and try every once in a while. Even I used to try and do this every week, pick an event that I'd never been to and just go to it and find out what it's all about. Like just to see who is passionate about this particular thing or mm -hmm. who shows up for this type of thing. But and I did that no in part because place. it was my job. But up here, like if you just looked at all those kind of environmentally related things, whether it's learning about your soil, 
and the soil of the county or the water quality or beach monitoring process, you'll learn a little bit more. You'll get a little more informed about your community. And maybe that leads to you, even if you're not volunteering, maybe it makes you a little better caretaker of our beaches in your own little way, you know, or more knowledgeable about the soil in your own backyard right. and how to nurture it, you know, so many different things. And we're lucky that we have so many passionate people and so many smart people right. that can that can teach us about that. <laughs> yes. And that is, I mean, there really is no better place to be able to just sample anything that you might have an interest in. I mean, the, the array is so wild. Like the Ridges, for instance, does have their Festival of Nature coming up. And so if people have received at home one of those catalogs, I mean, it looks like a college catalog. Oh, it is huge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, and how crazy is that, that you can go to, I mean, what a diverse array of topics. There is one, like I live next to, you know, a land trust property, which I'm really fortunate of. And, you know, I listen to birds all the time, but I have no idea what bird is making what sound. So <laughs> they have this bird walk watch that will be going through that property. And I'm like, cool, then I can learn what the sounds of these birds are because, you know, I don't know. Even last weekend, the Ridges did the crane symposium. Oh, and, right. You know, if you come up here now and you don't know the history of Sandhill cranes, you're just like, wow, this is, these are birds you see in Door County. And when I was growing up, you didn't see them around, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It was very rare. And now in a good way, it's gotten to a point where people are taking them for granted because you see them a lot more. I see them in the field next to my house. I hear them fly overhead. And yet they were nearly extinct. And so if you if you take a time to learn a little bit, you go, wow, it took a lot of effort, legislation, protection work, habitat restoration to bring those back. And, and it, it's cool to see what we can do when we put our minds to it and when people make us aware of it. Right. I know we talked a lot about the bridges, but Crossroads is another place that, yes. you know, Crossroads at Big Creek has a ton of different programs that you can become involved in. And I guess I was really surprised putting together this issue to see how many independent associations like just neighborhood <laughs> associations oh yeah like the know? clark lake yes, association right and there's one in jacksonport you know and that's a way for them to band together to make a bigger impact but so it's not even just the established nonprofit organizations it's people doing work in their neighborhood literally in their backyard yeah i was interested in looking at uh, i think it's mark weiss at the clark lake neighborhood association and what they try to do just in a very micro level of, A, we're just trying to take better care of this lake that we all have homes around, but we're also just trying to make very incremental changes just by educating our neighbors. You know, somebody new buys into the neighborhood and it's, I think the quote in there was like, you don't buy into this neighborhood to suburbanize it. Like, mm -hmm. You buy into this neighborhood to be part of this neighborhood. So here are the ways you can help do that. And here are the things you can plant that help keep the, the lake healthy, that help keep the fishery healthy, all those things. And I, th I think that's so much of it. We overlook it. We think we need a big program with a big grant and with a big initiative. And sometimes on so many levels, it's just, hey, maybe somebody just didn't know that by like, I, and think of that so many things you learn over time. But 25 years ago, I would have thought, yeah, we all want big lawns. Yeah, I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to you know, do all these things that over time you learn, well, you know what? I don't need that big lawn or maybe I should let some more grass grow or yeah. like, I just found out that you're supposed to let the grass grow over your septic system. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but well, that so is sometimes it's just knowledge. Hey, right. do you mind if you planted a couple of trees there, it would really help control water runoff. Like a lot of our beach mitigation strategies. Yes, we do put in some technology, some filtration systems, but what 
all these municipalities did to clean up their beaches after we had contamination 20 years ago, a lot of that is just planting the right things to stop runoff before it gets to the beach in a highly concentrated manner mm-hmm. and filters it out naturally. We just People didn't know it. Right. <laughs> right. And what better way to reach somebody than in their backyard? You know, because we know that that's where people live. That's what people are engaged with. If something is going to be happening in their neighborhood, we know from covering municipal meetings that that's when people come out in droves, you know? I mean, that's where they live. So that's where they have the greatest impact. And, you know, if somebody is moving up here from the suburbs, then all they know is grass and lawns and fertilizer and making sure that dandelions are not in there because they're evil. I mean, that's all they know. And so if you come up here and you have a neighbor, an association that says, here's a list of plants that are native, that are good for shoreline properties, grass is not, fertilizer is not. I mean, just to give them a heads up on how to live on their land up here, which is really important. And that doesn't mean require being heavy handed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean saying you can do this, you can't do this. But so many times, like people want to be good stewards. They want to be better. Right. And we can just tell them how. Yes, I would love to have a whole list of here are the greatest plants to plant in your yard with, you know, I mean, that would be fantastic news or just a great information base. So, I mean, that that's some of the stuff that, you know, we learned from putting this issue together is how varied the efforts are and how small to how big. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. You know, I I didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting for this issue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I did talk to Brian Fitzgerald. Who well, I've I think known. you were doing a magazine in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but I talked to Brian Fitzgerald, who I've obviously known a long time. I work with him. I've done so many events with him. And I know that he's very passionate about trails and the outdoors and getting people outside and especially getting outside in the winter. But I asked him, you know, he's volunteered with do trail grooming, friends of Peninsula State Park, skating lessons for kids, all these different things. And he does a lot of stuff just maintaining trails in different areas. I was like, so what what draws you to do it? And I thought I knew everything, but one of the things he said is, you know, like these things made a huge difference for me as I, when I was a kid. And so maybe it makes a huge difference for somebody else. And that, I think, is another thing that drives so many of these people to help out is that at some point, somebody did something like this that provided an opportunity for them. And, you know, hopefully they can provide that opportunity for somebody else. And Brian also mentioned like, yeah, people weren't doing stuff in the winter. (laughs) When I got up here, I came from Minnesota, in his case, where hockey and winter sports were all the rage. And then there wasn't opportunities for that. And he's like, you know, we should we should have that. And you think a lot of the things we have comes out of that and inspiring other people to do the same thing. And the winter's a little bit better now for people up here, right. in my opinion. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, and that is like inspiring the next generation. There were a couple of volunteers who basically specialize in that, creating classes for kids at 
crossroads and other places and at the ridges to be able to, you know, initiate them at a very young age. So you know how it is. Like before I moved up to Door County, I used to drive up here from Chicago and do the backpack campsites at Newport State Park. So that was, you know, I would just really immerse myself in those because it's beautiful, it's remote, it's, you know, wonderful. Such a great experience. Right. So I used to do that probably two or three times a year. And then I moved up here and never camped again. So (laughs) you know that once you live in a place, you don't take as much advantage of the natural, you know, resources and the the assets that are available up here because now they're normal. Like, you know, I'm, I'm my commute into work, my 27 minute commute into work is absolutely stunning, and you know that's that's beautiful enough. You know, I don't need yeah. to escape somewhere. So it is great to be able to show these kids, look, this is where you live. You right. know, these are the things that you can do. So it was very, very interesting to learn about some of those programs. You know, you mentioned Newport being up here. There's actually been a couple of times because I only live like 10, 15 minutes away. And my wife and I have gone and done the hike and camping on like a Wednesday night after work. Well, see, I need get, to do get that. Get in the dark, in the dark, get out through our site. Every time we try to do it, I'm like, all right, is this really worth it just to go over there overnight? Because then I'd come back into work the next morning and hike out in the morning and come in. But Going there overnight feels like you've been gone for a week. Mm, I mean, just being mm-hmm. totally removed for even 12 hours makes such a difference. And it's like, wow, I feel like I just cheated everybody else. I just got this experience that nobody else got plus or it, very few people got. Right. Plus, it's so hard to make dinner. That is one problem. Right. My wife's pretty good about like, all right, I'm, I'm making this thing that's actually really good, but right. that we can not have to cook when we get there. I remember the first time I did it at the time we had golden retrievers and I had, you know, backpacks for them. And the very first time I did it, you know, you only want to backpack and we, I think we did the, I want to say it was three miles, but so you want to make sure that your backpack is as light as possible. So the food was at a minimum, you know, like dried peas, things like that. But (laughs) we did have some meat and I put it in the dog's backpacks, not even thinking. And so we're walking and they wouldn't walk. Like they just kept stopping and turning around to smell oh. their <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I have the meat on the dog's back and expecting the dog to move forward. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, one more thing about sustainability that kind of fits our current moment here is these are people who cared so much for the place they lived. And when we're talking about historically, because we have a timeline in there of all the different major initiatives that formed the organizations that are the base of this work. And then you have all these volunteers. And, you know, in a moment when we're we're worried about short-term rentals and the overdevelopment and people just, you know, looking at this as an investment opportunity, you know, it's important to remember that the value of the people who live here and are, are invested, it trickles down into the people who, you know, like a one-to-one ratio of a home to a person is a one-to-one ratio of somebody who can contribute in the community. If you have someone buying like a dozen vacation properties and renting them out, like you're maybe getting one person for those 12 properties. So this is where I get into minutia of it, but that's where that ratio gets thrown off. And that's where you have organizations going, we can't find enough people or there's not enough people to help. There's not enough volunteers to help because we hear that too. And that's why the ones who do are so valuable. But that's an equilibrium that we don't often talk about when we think about the environment, when we think about economic sustainability, and even that economic conversation about short-term rentals and things like that gets thrown off a little bit too. You don't have as many people to help out. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, hopefully one of the objectives of this issue also was to try and inspire people, right. you know, to become involved and to show that you can make a difference and these contributions are vital. Yeah. And like, you want in? All right, come out all in. You got to help. Right. <laughs> you right. can't just sit in your house. You got you to gotta put in if you want to maintain. There's a reason people are drawn to this community and it's because all these people who give so much, like that's what really makes it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the natural beauty is there because those people put in the work. Right. Anything else you want to talk about sustainability issues? No, just go out and pick up a copy of <laughs> this week's issue of The Pulse and most of it is devoted to the sustainability issue. There is some news and arts and entertainment in the back of it, so you get some of the regular stuff as well. <laughs> some of the regular stuff. The yes, <laughs> right. Well, thanks again for all of your work on it. Uh, I'll put in one last plug for... Ridge and Swale, Saturday night at the auditorium, 7 p.m., Sunday at Crossroads at Big Creek at 3.30 p.m., and then on Monday, it will be available online. If you can't make either of those showings, that two-part documentary will then be available online for anybody to watch at home, or we can set up showings for people. So hopefully between the sustainability issue, Ridge and Swale, all the opportunities, because they're all over the county. We have a, a whole calendar of Earth Day events that are going on Saturday that people should check out. Oh, and one more thing, tonight, Deb, you are hosting the Everyday is Earth Day conversation. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. what you're going to figure out to say later? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. so the Everyday is Earth Day is going to be at Northern Sky, and it is a program. They're structuring it around food, and so that's kind of an easy one for me to talk about because we have a very large garden and, you know, a root cellar and, you know, we've done all of our meat and eggs and that kind of thing. So it is good to be able to talk about that stuff. And so I'll be talking with four different guests and we'll be talking about not just food, but in terms of how to grow sustainable food. So soil and water quality and food for people who don't have access to food because I think a lot of people feel that everybody in Door County is privileged and able, you know, to have access to all of the assets we have up here and and that's not the case. Right. So we'll be talking about that and how people can, you know, buy local healthy food at farmers markets. And so there are four different guests and I'll mm -hmm. be talking with them and there is entertainment in between. So it's not going to be a very long evening. It's only going to be about an hour and a half. So yeah, definitely come out and check it out. What time? It's at the Gould Theater. Yes. At what time? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Yes. All right. Gould Theater is, uh, it's worth checking it out just if you haven't been to the Gould Theater yet, just to go there and, and see that facility at Northern Sky on the corner of F and A. And yeah, should be a great conversation. Yes. And with that, we'll get back to work, Deb. And right. our listeners can move on. All <laughs> thanks, right. Thanks as always for checking out the Door County Pulse podcast. Thank you, Deb. And we'll talk again very soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.